Hey everybody, so season two of EOZ After Dark will be starting up soon. We've uh, started the plans for our first recording session. Uh, but before we do that, for this new year, uh, for the gaming sense, we wanted to put out the special tidbit that uh, Andrew Baldwin, uh, Andy Pirana, uh, had back in season one, episode 14. And in this in this particular episode, uh, he went on pretty in depth on his I uh, idea of like these social contracts uh, between you know gamers uh, with the game made by you know the developers. Uh, so, in preparing for us to come back with season two, here's a special out clip of this particular uh, idea uh, from Andy. Uh, do enjoy. Anyway, speaking on social society, contracts, companies, and, and, and etc. In our last podcast together, Andy, we talked about, uh, or, we, or we mentioned and quoted a previous, previous podcast conversation when it came to a player's social contract that they make either consciously or subconsciously with a game product, or you know any product for that matter, be it movie, game, cartoon, etc., uh, that they make with 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 the with, with that and how it can affect and impact our experience and I, I guess in general our our thoughts and perception of said pro product. Would you like to go into more hey, detail? Hey, really quick, really quick. Mm -hmm. How far into this recording are we? Uh, we are reaching fifty-five minutes and and thirty seconds. Sands maybe about five or eight minutes of our. Our intro, not real intro, uh, shooting uh, 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 the poop. Okay, I just uh, I wasn't sure because I I know the clock's running a little bit, and I uh, this is this is kind of a big one. So. <laughs> well, I'm I'm all ears if you are all uh, uh, vocals. Um. So, oh, man. So. I don't know. There's just like so much to talk about. Um, Keep in mind, we we can do a part two if you want to do half of it now and continue when uh, our our next session. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna start talking and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So the reason why I often think about this, like how well, not like often think about it. I'm I'm not just like man. I can't wait to pen my thesis. Um, <laughs> I often think about why we don't finish games. Like how many games have you bought and you didn't finish them? Too many. Um, and then like, why, why didn't you finish them? And I'm not talking about games that you bought because they were on sale and you've never touched. I'm talking about games that you have like sunk time into and then you just stop playing. Um, because I'm, I'm not approaching this from like a, like just like a raw like like gameplay perspective like you got bored or something mm -hmm. um because sometimes you sometimes you just get tired of a game and you stop playing it um which i have had that issue with a couple of games um specifically uh the original xcom and bioshock infinite come to mind uh, I played Bioshock Infinite to the end, but it had the exact same problem as the original XCOM, which is I got carried and sticked to death. 
Um, I could see the goal line, and then they just kept throwing things at me. And I was like, please, I would like to see the conclusion of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, fortunately, in Bioshock Infinite, I eventually got over that last hurdle involving a really dumb ghost. Um, but in XCOM, I never did. Um, but no, I'm talking about... L- let me Let me just go straight into my story. There's a game that exists called Spec Ops The Line. And Spec Ops The Line is the is the reason, has basically shaped my entire opinion on this issue. Um, and whenever I am playing a game and I see an issue that reminds me of Spec Ops The Line, sometimes I just stop playing. And I honestly, because Spec Ops The Line taught me, part of, part of Spec Ops The Line's gameplay is that sometimes you have to stop playing playing the game it's not about winning it's not about losing it's not about like quitting it's not even about quitting it's not about quitting the game it's about making the conscious decision that you no longer want to engage in this medium spec ops the line is a story about being an american soldier you're part of a three-man squad you're in dubai also i'm about to drop some massive spoilers (laughs) If you want to have an incredible gaming experience that's going to shape how you approach games in the future, just go play it. It's an old game. I'm going to look up exactly when it came out really quick. Spec Ops The Line. Came out in 2012 on Steam. It's an eight-year-old game on Steam. Possibly older. No, it's 2012. 2012. Um... So this is your last chance. <laughs> I am not a person who plays first-person shooters a whole lot. I played Halo in the, in its heyday. That's really about it. Not really too big on anything else. Spec Ops The Line is, without any spoilers, basically just like a Call of Duty shooter. You're mil- you, you are a military man. You shoot bad guy. You, you win game. <laughs> That's it. It's like the whole thing. But holy crap. The game is incredible. Incredible. Um, okay. Go play it. This is your last chance. Last <laughs> warning. I already said last warning. This is it. Right here. I'm counting it down. Three, two, one. So this game is about being an American shooting other Americans. I, I warned you. You should have gone and played it. You, you ruined it. <laughs> okay. So, Spec Ops Line is about being an American soldier who just loses it. Um, he literally, he shoots other Americans cause he thinks they're going to shoot him. And then he just sort, and then he literally makes up a bad guy. The final boss of the game is a figment of your imagination. He doesn't exist. And his name is um, Conrad, by the way. <laughs> yeah. See, you know that reference. When I played the game, I didn't know that reference. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, yeah, you are hunting down this rogue American commander named Conrad. Um, he's in league with the enemy or whatever. Um... And the game is heavily, heavily predicated on moral choices. Um, And this is is where 
a lot of my consideration stems from is moral choices because whenever a game presents to you moral choices and it's specifically when a game is based around morality um the way and i'm not talking about morality the way like darkest dungeon is based around morality mm -hmm. Darkest dungeon doesn't have a morality system you know and i'm not saying that darkest dungeon isn't actually based around morality because it 100 is and it's about engaging in your morality in an organic manner um and I'm honestly stealing at least part of what I'm saying from a wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful YouTube video called Are Morality Systems Making Us Less Moral? Hmm. Um, because that video is all about how moral systems in games have nothing to do with morality. It's just all about choosing an ending. Like morality systems have very, very little to do with being moral. You can, it's like, are you the good guy or are you the bad guy? Uh, the original Bioshock actually came really close to actually having a morality system because you could harvest the sisters for more Adam or you could leave them alone. But it botched it because if you take the good route, you get rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. And it actually, like, the rewards are like just as good, if not better. So that's not a good morality system. Dark. Darkest Dungeon has a cool morality system because you can just take people and just like ruin their lives and then just throw them to the street. <laughs> and the game doesn't judge you for that. It doesn't reward you. It doesn't penalize you. It just says you can do it. That's a morality system. So in this, this game, however, walks an interesting line because it has a black and white morality system, but it also every morality system in every game. And well, maybe not in every game. I haven't played every game. But a lot of morality systems actually have a hidden third option. So let me give you an example. One of the first things that you encounter after your first run-in, quote, quote, with Conrad, which is you talk to him on a walkie-talkie. Uh, and at the end of the game, you realize that there is nobody on the walkie-talkie. The walkie-talkie doesn't even have batteries. Um, <laughs> you go outside of the building where you talk to Conrad. And there are two men hanging by their wrists from rope in an overhead. Um, and you're talking to Conrad and one of the men is a U.S. soldier and one of the men is a civilian. Uh, this game takes place in Dubai. So he is a stereotypical uh, Arab man. And you are told that uh, and you can see there are snipers trained on your position. Um, you, ha you are given two options by Conrad. You can shoot the Arab man who's responsible for stealing water from the community. Or you can shoot the soldier who is responsible for killing the Arab man's family after discovering, after like tracking down this Arab man. So you can shoot the Arab guy or you can shoot the soldier. Now, what's interesting about Spec Ops The Line is that in almost all of its moral dilemmas, there's a third option. And when you are looking at these two individuals hanging in front of you with your gun trained on them, the third option that you can take, and you can do this if you're really clever about it, and I actually did it on my first playthrough. Instead of shooting one of the two men the way Conrad wants you to, because he's threatening to snipe you if you don't, is you can shoot the snipers. And you can forego this moral decision. You can get both the men... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure what happens to both the men. I don't know if they escape or what, or if the snipers shoot them or whatever. But basically, you can take Conrad's decision and you can say, shove off. I'm not playing your game. Right. Um, and there's there's another instance in the game 
much, much later on, where, um, like I said, you, you're playing as an American, you have two squad mates. Um, there's a situation much later in the game where one of your squad mates um, gets ambushed by a mob of angry civilians, and they just beat the crap out of him. I believe they kill him. And you're facing down this this angry mob, and you have your gun, and they have rocks, and they're just yelling at you. Um, if you do nothing, they just pelt you with rocks, and eventually, and that will eventually kill you, and you get like reset back. Obviously, it's you know standard first person shooter stuff. Yeah. And I remember being in that situation. The first time I was in that situation, I was like, obviously, I'm not going to shoot into the crowd. I like that's obviously wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. I shouldn't do that. But in exchange, I was pummeled to death by rocks. And I was like, crap, how am I supposed to go forward in this game? So the second time came back to the same situation. They started throwing rocks at me. I didn't know what else to do. I shot into the crowd and I dispersed the crowd. I killed like five people. Mm -hmm. That was all a game, but it's very made me sympathetic on a level that I had never been like sympathetic to that sort of situation before, right? Like you just don't know what to do. It turns out, however, that the hidden option, the hidden option that you can take, Shoot instead the of air. firing into the crowd, you can fire into the air. Mm. And that also disperses the crowd. Um which I I didn't know about until I saw somebody else during a playthrough and they fired into the air and it made the crowd disperse. I was like, oh that's really smart. But in the moment I just couldn't figure it out. Um and more to the point, I just couldn't like think in a way that was necessary for me to get out of that situation without shooting and killing five people. So the, the crux of this game, the point in which your character starts actually losing it, is um, it's super pivotal moment where you are... Uh, attempting to get through an entrenched enemy position. And to do so, you use uh, white phosphorus rounds. I don't know if you know what that is, Zane. Uh, the chemical that essentially acts as if, it's bur if, if it burns people. So it, it, it I guess it, it does actually burn. Yes, it's, it's like napalm. Yeah. It's similar to napalm in its function. It's not actually napalm, but it does, just sets everything on fire. Um, so in order to get through an entrenched enemy position, you decide to use white phosphorus. Now, if I'm correct, white phosphorus, I believe, is is it outlawed by international law? Uh, I could believe uh, yes. so. Or it's debatably outlawed by international law, depending on how you want to interpret it, but most interpretations believe that white white phosphorus is outlawed by international law. So your character is like, screw this, we need to get through this entrenched position. And you go into this little like mini game sort of thing where you have a um, a camera that's being suspended by a drone, and you use the camera to basically pick targets of where you're going to shoot the white phosphorus. And at the end of this like mini cutscene, um. The white phosphorus, the or the um, the drone. I'm not sure if it's like a drone or like a weather balloon or something. I don't know. Um, it's not the point. Is Zane? Have you played this game? I have not. Okay. <laughs> so at the very end, where you're like just 
just dropping white phosphorus on these fools using a heat camera, and you can just see like these huge flashes of white just like light up areas and just incinerate people. Mm-hmm. At the very end, the camera comes to hover over a truck at the very end of the enemy camp. And by the truck, there is a very, very large number of heat signatures. Like, unusually large number of heat signatures. You know, the enemies that are around the camp, they're kind of spaced out and stuff. There's not a whole lot of them. Here, there's a lot of heat signatures and not a lot of space. Um, If you want to advance in the game, you must fire the last round. Mm. You have to do it. You have no choice. Um, Even if you know, as I knew, what's about to happen. Like, I hadn't obviously played through the game before, but the first time you see it, there's a lot of heat signatures. Probably civilians. Mm-hmm. But whatever. You shoot it anyways. And then you go into the camp as the white phosphorus burns away literally all the people. And you get all the way to the back. And there's a car on a bridge over a trench. And in this trench, there's just a whole bunch of incinerated civilians been burned to a crisp and you look over them and you're like oh crap and then your character's like we have no choice we have to move on and that scene i believe is just before i believe that the next scene is your first encounter with conrad like this is the thing that breaks the main character Mm -hmm. um and this is and when the main character breaks it's like a slow slide um and i'm just gonna diverge here for a second a lot of this game's themes are about descending you descend all the time at the start of most missions you are on top of something and you just go down you're going down all the time even when at some point you're like there's no way the city can like possibly go any lower you still go down it's about going down and whenever there are loading screens the loading screens themselves start like devolving right like Sometimes they'll just be like helpful tips and stuff, but there are some points at the end where like you you're just like running and gunning through everybody in your path. You get shot down and the loading screen is of like your dead teammate and the ca- and instead of like a tooltip or anything, the caption is just do you feel like a hero yet? Oh my like, god. Yeah, it just punches you in the gut. Um because the game is dead on a straight subversion of all the Call of Duty tropes feels like a call of duty game and then it just starts like tearing away at the seams so going back you use white phosphorus you kill a ton of civilians and your character just moves on and like i said through the game there are several moral decisions that can be subverted or avoided like you can avoid doing the bad thing um but the, at the end of the day, your character is just, he's just lost it. Um, and you eventually have an encounter with Conrad, where Conrad is just dead. Like he's just a corpse. And then you see him, and you talk to him anyways. Um, and the game has a couple of different endings. Um, you can, um, your character can commit suicide. You can get picked up by American soldiers. Um, or when the American soldiers come to pick you up, you can shoot them too. Um, and then uh, when that happens, that route itself has either an ending where your character gets killed. 
or you can kill literally every American soldier that tries to rescue you. And those are like the four endings. Um, so I'm going to go back to the critical moment because this is the moment that on reflection um, is genius and has changed how I approach all games forever. And that is when you voluntarily white phosphorus to civilians, even if, and you probably do know that they're civilians. Because I had a discussion with one of my friends about this, and it actually reinforced my position. Although at the time I had to think about it. I didn't have a good um, counter argument for what he said. And he said that he really didn't like the, like that as the catalytic moment for the character where you douse uh, civilians in white phosphorus. He was like, I felt like I didn't have a choice because if I wanted to engage with the medium, I had to make that choice. And it devalued all of the morality that came after that. Mm. All of the moral decision-making, the like the character's slow devolution into, like I don't even want to say insanity. Um, it was more like... Um, more like a... Depravity? Not no. Um, like a self-aggrandizement. He was just so... Like he felt like all of his decisions were inherently correct. Like they had to be mm. right. Like you're shooting Americans and I mean, not even Americans forget the word Americans. You're shooting friendlies. Um, you're killing civilians. Like you just kill everybody who gets in your way because you have to be right. Right. Like it's just like an inherent thing about, I mean, whatever you could, you could say it's an inherent thing about whatever is that they have to be inherently right. I'm not about to make like a, like a political call or a social call on this, mm. but just as, as a video game, as you are the protagonist, you have to be making the right decisions in a first-person shooter, right? That's just an inherent thing about the game. That's an inherent thing about the genre. Um, and your main character, who, by the way, his name is Walker. I forgot it like a million times. Um, <laughs> you play as Walker. Um, so Walker just refuses to accept this fact. But And my, my friend was like, all of that is devalued by the fact that you must shoot the white phosphorus to continue with the story you have to you know if you don't the story you, like the camera just hangs there forever like literally all action freezes time essentially just ends until you shoot the white phosphorus round that kills all the civilians and for a while i was like yeah i guess that's kind of right you have to shoot it if you want to play the game but there actually is another decision that you can make and i didn't think about it until it was later revealed in an interview with one of the developers as a path that the player could take. And it was a path that I hadn't even considered could possibly exist because it's never, it's not a thing that you think of when you engage with a game. Mm -hmm. Like never, never, never would I have had this consideration without this like series of events. And he said that one of the, one of the possibilities in that scene you're hovering, you got your finger on the button, you can launch all the white phosphorus right now, or you can just sit there. But there's another option. And the fact that a game developer could even think of this as just sort of like an acceptable path to take, I don't know, it kind of blows my mind. But he was like, just stop playing the game. Just do not continue to engage the medium. You are in a situation where if where if you have the knowledge, you're about to press a button, you're going to kill a bunch of 
civilians. If that is a morally objectionable path to you, just don't do it. Just turn the game off. And I was like, that is the dumbest, smartest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I've, I can't imagine a game developer telling people not to engage the game. And to be honest, there's definitely an argument that you could make where that's just a flawed approach. That's mm -hmm. not a good approach that you should have to a game. Um, but just because just you shouldn't build it into your game doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider it. Mm. Um, there are a lot of games, and I'm specifically thinking of morality systems. There are a lot of games that have morality systems that aren't like red option, blue option. Because red option, blue option is not really a morality system. Right. Um, because, like I said, when you have red option, blue option, you're not really choosing what you think is morally correct. You're choosing either like a skill tree path or an ending or something of that caliber, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like when's the last time you played Bioshock and you were like, I'm going to harvest the little sisters because I think it's like the morally correct line of action. <laughs> I can justify this action. No, you do it because you're trying to be the bad guy. <laughs> and like, I'm trying to remember other games that have the same thing. There's one where you play like an electrical related superhero. Oh, uh, Infamous. Yes, thank you. Infamous is the, is literally one of the worst examples of this. Yes. Red option or blue option. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the morality of the situation. You're yeah. either trying to be good, you're trying to get like the good quote ending or the bad quote ending. It's nothing to do with how you actually feel about the situation. Um Spec Ops line is interesting cuz it doesn't like it doesn't award or penalize you for like if I if you're really clever and you manage to avoid killing the civilians or you you know you kill Conrad snipers instead of the men that are being tied up you don't get rewarded for that or penalized for that either like no matter what you choose it's just a it's just part of the story and then you just have to deal with it um so when you when you have moral decisions in games and I'm talking about like actual moral decisions in games Moral decisions like, do I kill the civilian or do I kill the soldier? Moral decisions like, um, and I'm just going to segue into it. Moral decisions like in Papers, Please, where you have to become corrupt if you want to keep your family alive. Yeah. Um, papers, Please is like where I put everything that I just discussed into practice. Um, but basically, let, let me digress really quick. The lesson that should be pulled away from Spec Ops The Line, um, and this is a hard lesson to learn because I don't think, I don't think everybody, not that everybody can't apply it because they can't, but I don't think everybody wants to. Like you don't necessarily go into a game, come across a moral decision and you find it so reprehensible that you just stop playing the game, but still enjoy the game for what it was. I think that's a really hard area to be in. Um, just because, you know, when you buy a game, you want to, you know, you want to play it, you want to enjoy it, you want to go through it, you want to experience the whole thing. Um, but this is what brings me back to the, uh, the social contract. 
the the idea of the social contract with the game is that when you buy the game, you should be able to go into it, play through it, experience everything, enjoy it, complete it. But part of the social contract you should be able to make to yourself is that you should be able to go into a game and if it asks something of you that you don't think is correct, either morally or for any other reason, though I'm specifically angling on the moral aspect because I think that is the thing that could be most objectionable to a person to cause a person to stop playing a game. Um, you should be able to stop playing that game without feeling like the game has failed you or you have failed the game. Um, it is not the game's fault for presenting you with a morally objectionable circumstance. It's probably a deliberate part of the game's fault. Um, but you also shouldn't feel at fault for deciding to stop playing a game. And again, I don't want to say, like, quit the game. Quitting implies that you're giving up. When you choose to stop playing a game, you have decided that where the game wants to take you is not somewhere you want to go. For whatever that's worth. It's kind of... I, I'm hoping I'm doing a good job of explaining of this because honestly, it's hard to explain. I, I, I think I think you are. Um, but I will. I'll take it to Papers Please because Papers Please is where I first put this into practice. Papers Please is a game about doing border control, um, for a government that is obviously oppressive and, uh, like actively uh, puts down its own people. And you, but you have to work this job because it's the only way you can possibly pay for, like, keeping your family alive, staying where you live, um, that sort of thing. And as you go into the game, the morality of decisions, the decisions that you have to make become muddier and muddier as you have to consider the ramifications of letting people through who you shouldn't let through because it seems like the morally correct thing to do. Um, not letting people through who could go through because it's a way to make money. Um, weighing the balances of what you need, what the people that you care about need, um, what your government wants from you, and what every individual person who you encounter wants. Um, it's a really cool game. <laughs> but it's definitely not for everyone. It's very it's it's monotonous but only insofar as all of the stories of the different people that you interact with are conveyed to you solely through their passports and paperwork which is definitely a very interesting engine but also not for everybody yeah when i played papers please i at some point during papers please you are introduced to a um, do I still have to say spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. What are you doing? Why are you still here? Did, did I not warn you enough about Spec Ops The Line? These are good games. Go play them. <sighs> These podcast people, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I just called out the whole audience. Um, so at some point in Papers, Please you get introduced to a secret society whose purpose is to overthrow the government that you work for. Oh, snap. Now, there's a lot to consider about this because, yes, you could help them, but do they have your best interest at heart? And 
if you also if you work with them won't your government find out if you don't work for them won't your government find that out anyways because you have to remember this is a government that um spoiler alert for my spoiler alert i guess this is a government that will throw you in prison just for associating with these people whether or not you are friendly or not friendly with them So, like, how do you deal with this? You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of decision-making, a fair amount of it based in morals. Like, what do you value? What do you think is important? Um, you know, because if you, if you decide to team up with them, then you have to try to overthrow your own government without getting caught and without doing anything. Because at one point they ask you to kill a man. And if you kill a man, you're probably going to get caught. And if you get caught, then it's over anyways. Um, because above all the objectives of like, like passing people through, making money, keeping people fed and warm, you know, watching your own back. Objective number one is don't get thrown in jail. Cause if you get thrown <laughs> in jail, um, you know, so if you work with them, you might get thrown in jail. If you don't work with them, you might get thrown in jail, whatever. Point is in my playthrough, my only playthrough of Papers, Please. This is a game that I played. Um, they had like an open beta available as in like a Flash player or something mm-hmm. before this actually became like a Steam game. Um, so I had some experience with it. I enjoyed the storytelling through like the passports and the paperwork. I thought it was cool. So I bought the game. I played through it. I was enjoying myself. And then... Um, at some point, the secret society leaves some information with you. Um, and so you're just sitting on this information at your desk job. And one day you get visited by your superior. And he's like, hey, we have some, we have some vague information about this secret society. We know very little about them. Uh, we think that their symbol, their insignia, is this. And he shows you a very crude sketching of a matching insignia. And then he's like, if you know anything about them, you'll tell us. Correct? At this point, you have two options. And the game doesn't say, please select A or B. <laughs> but you know that you have two options. Because you have conde- you have like damning evidence sitting on your desk slightly obscured by like a big stamp (laughs) and so your options are basically he's like if you have any evidence you'll show it to us right right like there is actually like a pause and he's like yeah now you can do two things either one you can do nothing and he will leave and you will have just lied to your boss by omission or two you can give him the evidence that's what he wants he wants he wants information you have information that you can give him. In my playthrough, I gave him the information. What do you think happened, Zane? Threw you in jail. Yes, I was immediately arrested for for uh, consorting with uh, suspicious groups and persons. And that was the only time I've ever played that game, because the game that that's one of the first like pushing moments where it starts to push your morality. To event to a point where it's less about what your company, or yeah, your company, uh, got a little too topical. What your country wants, 
or what the secret society wants or even what you like it's it's about what you want right like your the game is about looking out for number one that is eventually where the morality of the game pushes you is forget the country forget the secret society you can work with them obviously but only in so far as they help you right um and when i gave that piece of information to my boss and got arrested and it was game over um i was making a decision that basically i was unwilling to compromise my moral stance in the game um now obviously it is just a game i can compromise my moral stance in the game and not be like a dick about it um at the end of the day everything's just pixels but at the same time, I can also tell you that pixels give us an opportunity to explore morality organically in a way that you obviously, like, I'm not working, well, arguably, but I'm not working for an oppressive regime that's trying to, like, suppress the heck out of, uh, you know, its population. Um, but in that situation, the default response for me as like a person when asked to aid in a situation involving like the secret society or whatever my default response is I have information here you go um, and I was not it's not that I was unable I'm obviously able it's not even it, or no, it is. It is. Um, it's not that I'm unable to make that decision. It's just that I'm unwilling. Like I don't want to, like, do that shifty stuff. That's not who I am as a person. Right. So that was the only time that I ever played Papers Please, and it's not Papers Please's fault for being like a morally shifty requirement game. That's the point of the game. The, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's not the game's fault for trying to make me to do shifty things, and it's not my fault for refusing to do them. That's just That was just the narrative. That's just the way the narrative played out. I opted not to engage in that. The game said, okay, then that's fine. And I'm okay with that. I'm not like vindictive towards the game for not allowing me to play it while still maintaining the moral high ground. That's not the point of the game. I like shouldn't expect that out of the game, but you can you can come to that head, and I already said I'm not, and I'm gonna say it again. That's not a failing on your part. That's not a failing on the game's part. That is an understanding of the social contract that you have made with the game. That the game has provided you with an experience, and you have opted to engage it only to a point. I think that the ability to stop playing a game without feeling sour about it is difficult and maybe not even desirable to most people. Um, because obviously you put money into the game, you should be able to play it how you want. Um, but I think that since given the 
breadth and depth of games, it's totally okay to encounter a game that asks you to make a decision and for you to just say no. Um, and if that is your story with the game, then to be honest, it's kind of a good story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it's not the story that was trying to be told, but maybe you can go play Spec Ops the Line and you can get to the point where you have to firebomb 47 people and you can just decide not to. Um, it reminds me of the very infamous No Russian. I don't remember what Modern Warfare game it was, or it was a Call of Duty? I don't remember. Do you know No Russian, Zane? No. Okay, No Russian. Oh, oh, up. oh, the airport, airport scene. Yeah. Yeah. No Russian is the Modern Warfare 2 scene. Yeah. I believe that happens right at the very beginning of the game. Somewhere early on. Um, not at the exact beginning, but like second or third mission, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And the level is about you are playing an undercover U.S. agent with a bunch of Russian extremists. You walk into an airport and just murder civilians. You just absolutely gun down civilians. That is the entire level, by the way. There's no meaningful opposition. In fact, there's no opposition. There's no threat to the player. You literally just walk in and shoot civilians. Um, I would not play that level. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to engage in, like, Call of Duty or Modern Warfare anyways, because those games aren't of any, like, interest to me. Yeah. But just, like... I wonder how Call of Duty would have shaped up if people got to know Russian and just turned the game off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't remember if it was originally in the game or if they patched it later or, or that, again, the decision was always there. But before that mission, you're told that it's going to be really awkward and, and really bad, basically. And you have the option to skip it if you so choose. I believe the line is disturbing content. You're about to be shown disturbing content. Yeah. Um, and I played it. And I actually, I played it multiple times because I want to see if there's a way to change the outcome. Uh, and you can play it and not fire a single shot and let others shoot. And then I guess that kind of asks the question of like, how complacent are you? Uh, and the <laughs> ending is, is still the same as always, you know? Again, the game is not really asking you. Um, it's it's not giving you red or blue, but it is asking you to make a moral decision. Yeah. Um. Especially in a situation like that, doing nothing is a moral decision. Um. Yeah. So, I don't encounter games like that. I, actually, to the best of my knowledge, I can't actually think of another title where i like stop playing and just like where i stopped playing because it asked me to make a moral decision that i wasn't willing to make yeah um but it's just something to keep in mind about um why people stop playing games you know yeah it is uh, definitely something to really sit and think about um 
and, and, and not to drive home any arguments or notions about individuals not being able to distinguish reality from fiction and etc. I don't want to feed any arguments uh, and that whole campaign of do games you know, create violent individuals or all those individuals violent who just play video games kind of discussions. Um, but I, I do think if a game can have scenes and, and events like that and it makes you question yourself, it makes you literally stop and think and ponder on a level that you weren't expecting to have to think on, uh, I do think that's a sign of good writing, uh, you know, you know, good game development, good game design. Uh, that's actually a really good point. I'm, I I want to clarify really quick. Mm-hmm. I don't think that just because you are faced with an objectionable moral decision means that you should stop playing the game. Right. Um, but it means that you should consider why you are continuing to play. Right. Why, why are you continuing to play the game? Um, because, like, maybe it's just that you want to enjoy the story. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not about to make a judgment call on somebody. There's a reason why we play games, right? Like, I'm not about to, like, be in a situation where I'm in Dubai and need to, like... <laughs> Right, like I'm armed to the teeth. Hopefully not. (laughs) Or you know, like I'm working like border patrol. Um, Build that wall, Andrew. Build. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're bad man. You're bad man. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) He's dead, Jim. Um. Be aware of why you're doing what you're doing and don't be afraid to decide to stop engaging in the medium. Yeah. If, if you think that that is the correct course of action. If there's you know, a... like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Darkest mm-hmm. Dungeon is about like throwing people in the high stress situations, <laughs> like mentally breaking them and then throwing them out of the streets. I have done this and I have not felt bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like, it's not that I haven't thought about like what's happening. I just like I accept that part of the game, you know. But if you were to play Darkest Dungeon and you realize that people were like getting literally stressed out, you could you might choose as a result to stop playing the game. Right. And you shouldn't feel bad about that. Um I'm sure that there will be other games in the future that have, like, I mean, controversial content is just, like, a part of, um, you know, the games industry. Um, I would say art industry in general. That's actually very true, but that's a whole... Other that is a can of worms? Adi- <laughs> that's not another can of worms. That is an additional can of worms surrounding <laughs> this worm can. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I would say if, if there's anything that I kind of pulled from, uh, you know, your thought process uh, and explanation and, and even, I guess, flow of, of thinking, uh, it, it would just also to be just if you make a decision in the game, you cannot blame the game for you making that decision. Uh, I, I think that's one of the earliest kind of points that I, I, I kind of pulled out of um, your, your story, your experience and talking with your friend. Um Whereas 
and I, I might I might now be projecting my own personal views and things when it comes to society and people in general, where it's like you are a functioning human being. You are playing this game. You choose to play this game, and you know you have the choice to stop. Uh, if you continue forward and you don't know why that, that that reason is, and you go, the game made me do it. No, the the, the game didn't. The game can't make you do anything. It's it's a game. Yeah. Yes. If you think something is objectionable, you you may choose to stop at any time, even if it doesn't seem like there. The game doesn't need to offer you the option to say no more. Um, and I can understand my friend's disappointment. He really wanted to play the game. Um, but he didn't feel like... He didn't feel like the choice that the character made was genuine. Mm-hmm. Because he was compelled into it. But you know what? This is actually... This is like... This is the thesis right here. He didn't he didn't like the the route that the game took because he felt like he didn't have a choice. That's exactly what Walker thought. That is exactly the feeling that the protagonist had. Yeah. It's actually genius. Actually oh. genius. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna play this game now. I I, I, I looked it up on Steam. It's, it's like incredible. twenty bucks. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Um, it's just bucks. it's a it's a game where the protagonist doesn't see any other way forward than to do what he has to do, and that makes him the protagonist. But you know he's not. And when you make a decision for the protagonist just because you need to keep going, that's exactly what the protagonist is doing. You are perfectly in the protagonist's headset, like Eric's mindset. Headset is the, the thing on your ears. <laughs> Good design, man. Good, good design, and and just good. Actually, genius. Yeah. Um, so if you make it, if you have to make a bad choice in a game because the game compels you to make the bad choice, you can either accept that you are exact, you are square in the protagonist's shoes, or you can say, "I'm not having it," and you can turn the game off. And in a way that makes you better than the protagonist. And there you have it. That's Andy's uh, social contract between gamers uh, with games uh, made by developers. I hope you enjoyed this uh, special tidbit from uh, episode 14. Uh, Stay tuned for season two, which will be dropping hopefully in a couple of weeks. Uh, A video version of the podcast will now be posted uh, to the official uh, Essence of Zen YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Essence of Zen. Uh, so, yeah, if you enjoy the content, let us know. Uh, feel free to uh, share with your friends, and we will see you soon. And, of course, because this is 2021, and it's started off a bit weird, uh, we hope everyone is healthy, safe, uh, and just trying to, to, to stay on top of as much as they can and truly make 2021 the start hopefully of a better year than 2020 thank you